Thanks for tuning in to this podcast on kpov.org. The following conversation with Ranger Randy and Dr. Danielle McKay, geologist and instructor at the University of Oregon, aired in 2018 on the Sasquatch Hideaway as a series on KPOV Radio 88.9 FM, Bend, Oregon. In this segment, we'll learn how and when Lava Butte was formed, the Lava River Cave and a tube within a tube, and is there really a mold forest? So let's talk about the Newberry National Volcanic Monument. Mm -hmm. There's so many features out there. Uh, we'll start with your area of study, the Lava Butte. Mm -hmm. So what can you tell me about Lava Butte? So Lava Butte is a cinder cone. It's similar to Pilot Butte, which is an in-bend, and it's similar to many of the buttes, not all of them. Butte does not mean cinder cone, but here in Central Oregon we tend to uh, use that name Butte for a lot of features and and here they happen to be volcanic features So there are a lot of cinder cones in Central Oregon um, So it's something I think it's a it's a landform that many people in Central Oregon are familiar with So Lava Butte is a classic example of a cinder cone formed about 7,000 years ago But prior to that eruption there was no cinder cone there. It was just the pre-existing topography So if you go out and you visit Lava Butte today, you go to the visitor center um, the visitor center is located in a ponderosa forest and it's relatively flat topography. So that's what that area would have looked like prior to the eruption. The eruption itself would have started with a fissure or a crack opening up in the ground, very similar to what you've seen in the last few months in Hawaii. So this fissure or this elongate feature where uh, lava is coming up in kind of a fire fountain of activity, that would have been the early phase of eruption at Lava Butte. And eventually that eruption uh, became focused in one location along the fissure. So now, instead of the lava coming out along a line, kind of an elongate, you know, mile line where fire fountains are coming up, now it's all coming out of one circular vent. And that focused the eruption and it meant that more gas was coming up in one location. And so the eruption got more explosive. And instead of just fountains of lava, um, Blobs of lava were thrown up higher uh, and they cooled in the air and they fell back down and they built up the cinder cone. So the cinder cone didn't exist prior to the eruption. It built itself up during the eruption. Some ash would have come out of that cinder cone as well. So not just blobs of lava cooling in the air and falling back down and building the cone, but actually finely fragmented pieces of lava. That's ash, volcanic ash. So ash would have come out during this eruption and been carried by the wind. And if, if an eruption like that happened today, that ash would be a problem. It would um, be, you know, potentially a problem for air transportation um, at the Redmond Airport. It doesn't take very much volcanic ash at all to keep planes on the ground. It would be potentially a problem for cars driving on Highway 97. Um, it could be a problem for agriculture. It's, it's a problem to breathe in. It's, it's a hazard for uh, your lungs. Um, so the, the cone, the cinder cone was built, the ash was, was produced, and then there were lava flows that came out of the base of the cinder cone. And we've seen in the last few months what lava flows can do in Hawaii as well. So nobody uh, in general uh, dies from a lava flow. You can get up and walk away from lava flows pretty easily, but uh, they're very expensive. They can cover roads, houses, buildings, infrastructure. So that would have been what the Lava Butte was, uh, eruption was like. 7,000 years ago, uh, Bend wasn't here. We didn't have a lot of roads, although there were trails in the area. So the economic impact of Lava Butte probably wasn't too high. But if an eruption like that occurred today, that could have a very high economic impact. 
Alright, so if we move ourselves a little bit further south on the monument, uh, we have the Lava River Cave. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a, a lava flow that hardened and created the, the tube, the lava tube. So that type of lava, it's the same type of lava that we see erupting in Hawaii. It's very fluid. It flows across the landscape like a river. And, and back to the Lava Butte eruption, you know, just for a minute, that if we picture that lava flow coming out of the Lava Butte area, it flowed downhill towards the Deschutes River and it actually dammed the Deschutes River. So same thing for the lava flow that formed Lava River Cave. That's a much older lava flow, but it behaved in very much the same way. It flowed downhill like a river of, of molten rock, which is exactly what it, what it was. And it's cooling as it flows. So if you picture this river of, of molten material flowing downhill, the sides of that river are cooling and forming solid rock walls, essentially. So the river of lava is building up its own banks or levees as it, as it flows. And that narrows the channel. So now the river of lava becomes narrower and narrower and narrower. And eventually the top of that river also cools. And so now you have a tube. Now the river is flowing in a tube, but it's a tube that it created itself as the lava cooled on the sides and then cooled on the top. And rock, once it cools, rock is a really good insulator. So once that tube forms and that lava is flowing through the tube, it doesn't lose heat very quickly at all, which means that lava tubes are great for distributing lava flows miles away from the volcanic vent. And that's what happened at Newberry. Um, those lava flows are about 75,000 years old um, and they originated from vents on the north side of Newberry Volcano but those lava flows flowed all the way through Bend, parts of Bend and parts of what is now Redmond and out into the Deschutes River and the Crooked River and it was because of lava tubes forming that those lava flows were able to travel so far um, because they were essentially insulated in this distribution net network to, to get them very far away from the volcanic vent. And then, of course, once the eruption stops, the lava flows out of the tube and leaves behind this empty cave, which we can now go visit. So if you go into the cave, it's uh, got a lot of sand in there. Yeah, the mysterious sand. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a good answer for that sand. There, that's kind of a, a something that nobody has really looked at. If anyone out there is really interested in a geology graduate program <laughs> and they want to uh, look at that sand in, in Lava River Cave, it's a good project. There's a couple ideas as to how the sand got there. If you if you really kind of take some time when you're in Lava River Cave and you shine your flashlight up on the ceiling and the sides of the cave, you can actually see that there is some sand coming in through cracks in the top and the sides of the cave. Um, so there are cracks in the rock and water percolates through those cracks and that water can transport little pieces of sand. Um, so that's one idea is that all that sand came in from cracks in, in the top and the sides of the cave. Um, but there's a lot of sand and we, we don't know how deep it is. Um, in some sections of the cave you walk past sand walls that are five, six feet high and it might be even deeper than that. And so there's a question as to it can, can that much sand come in just through cracks? <laughs> so another idea is well maybe the sand was carried in through the mouth of the cave. It's a good question. Where did the sand come from? And, and it's an uh, area where someone could go and do some work and really figure that out. 
as water transports material like sand, um, it leaves clues behind as to how fast was the water, how much water, which direction was it going. And so you really could answer those questions by doing a detailed look at the sand in the cave. So is most of that sand uh, volcanic ash? I think it probably is. I haven't looked at the sand in detail, but yeah, I think that it probably is mostly volcanic ash. It's probably very similar to most of the sandy soils that we have in central Oregon, which are really mostly volcanic ash, and a lot of that ash is from the eruption of Mount Mazama about 7,000 years ago, 7,600 years ago. So is there a way to determine uh, if it came from Mazama or if it came from Newberry or if it came from the Cascades? Yeah, so if you took some samples of that sand in the cave, and you might even want to take samples from a whole stratigraphic section, so samples from the top, the middle, the bottom, and everything in between, and then you could look at those little individual grains of sand, and you probably couldn't figure out where every single one of them came from, but if you found any volcanic ash, you, you could likely figure out, was it from Mount Mazama, was it from Newberry, and kind of start to piece together because we know when those volcanoes erupted and produced ash, we have some ages on that. So if you found ash in there that was from Mount Mazama, you would know that that was 7,600 years old, and so it must have come in, you know, after that eruption. So yeah, there are ways to kind of piece together perhaps how long it took for that sand to get in the cave. Since there's so much sand at the end and it is plugged by sand, mm -hmm. what is the possibility that that was an open tube that it ended at the Deschutes River or maybe there was a lake at the end and that backwashed in? Yeah, I, I think the trend of that lava tube, I think, points kind of in a, in a slightly different direction. And we don't know, you're right, we don't know where that lava tube goes after Lava River Cave. Uh, until you have an exposed cave, it's really hard to map out caves. And Lava River Cave is actually a, a, a much longer lava tube where a section of it collapsed. And so that's why we know it's there, because there's a collapse section, which is an opening in the cave. We can get into the cave and map it out. There's probably a much longer cave that exists as part of Lava River Cave, but it hasn't collapsed, so we don't know where it is. I guess that that is a possibility, you know, that, that maybe there was some lake and, and lake deposits getting in there. The sand doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like lake deposit. Lake deposits usually are much finer grained. Siltier. Um, siltier, yeah, or even clay. And here um, in Central Oregon, a lot of the lake deposits that formed when the when lava flows down the Deschutes River and backed up big lakes, a lot of those lake deposits contain something called diatoms or diatomaceous earth. And diatoms are these little tiny microorganisms that live in the lake and they build their tiny microscopic skeletons out of silica. And when they die, they filter down to the bottom of the lake and, and the kind of organic parts of them um, decompose, but the silica part, their skeleton, just builds up in layers and that's what diatomaceous earth is. And so that's a very fine-grained kind of, kind of chalky material. So you don't see that, or at least I haven't seen that, in Lava River Cave. You really see sand-sized particles, which to me suggests that it was not deposited by still water like a lake. Mm -hmm. um, but again, they're, they're, those are clues that, that could be looked at in detail in the cave. One of the other things that's just always baffled me, and I haven't I'd like to know how you get the tube on top of the tube. So if you can picture um, the tube forming, so we have this river of lava, the sides are cooling, forming levees, 
the top cools, forming a tube. So you have a tube of whatever size. And if you've been in Lava River Cave, you know that that tube is very large in some places. And you have molten lava flowing through that tube. But the eruption back at the source, up, upstream, if you want to call it that, in this river of lava, um, the eruption can have different phases where less lava is, is being erupted, more lava is being erupted. So if a lot of lava is being erupted, that tube might be full of lava. But if there's not so much lava being erupted, then inside the tube, the level of lava goes down. And so now you have a tube that's maybe a quarter full of lava. And the rest of that is, is air. And so really you have something that's very similar to the very first formation of the lava tube. Inside the lava tube, you have a river of lava. It starts cooling on the sides and forming banks and then the top cools and now you have a tube within a tube and there's only lava in the inner tube and then the eruption stops and all of that lava comes out and now you have an empty tube smaller tube inside an empty larger tube and it was the same exact process that formed both of them it's just the original tube formed on the surface of the lava flow and the secondary tube formed inside the lava tube I hope that makes sense. It's hard to explain on <laughs> without yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pictures, um, but if you can kind of visualize that process, then. So would those have been separate flows? Would one flow stopped and then maybe another flow come later on? Yeah, perhaps all part of the same eruption, um, but separate pulses or phases within okay. that eruption. So they all came from the same source. But lava or, or eruptions, volcanic eruptions, don't always just pump out a constant supply of lava for the entire duration of the eruption. It can kind of ebb and flow. So that's how we get the different like flow lines on the walls? Exactly, yeah. So if you're in Lava River Cave and you shine your light on the walls, if you come to a section that has these nice kind of straight walls, you can actually see uh, kind of like bathtub rings on those walls. And that's different levels of lava as it was flowing through. So the Lava Cast Forest, that's a pretty awesome place. Can yeah. you explain kind of how that process works? Yeah, so same type of lava flow. Um, these very fluid lava flows that flow across the landscape like what you see in Hawaii. The lava flow at the Lava Cast Forest is uh, about the same age as the Lava Butte cinder cone and the Lava Butte lava flow. So it was about 7,000 years ago. There were actually multiple places at Newberry Volcano where eruptions were occurring. Lava Butte was one of them and Lava Cast Forest was another one. So you have these very fluid lava flows flowing across the landscape and uh, that's all Ponderosa Forest for the most part now and it was a similar forest about 7,000 years ago. So these lava flows would flow and engulf trees and you can actually see this process occurring in Hawaii. It's usually not Ponderosa trees there, it's palm trees. <laughs> but the lava flow engulfs a tree and the heat from the lava flow usually incinerates the tree. So the tree catches on fire and it burns. But before it burns, it actually chilled that little bit of lava flow that was just flowing right around the tree. And that keeps the rest of the lava from flowing into the spot where the tree was. And so that leaves a, a tree shape or, or a cast. It's actually technically a mold, <laughs> uh, but lava cast forest sounds a lot better. So if you go visit Lava Cast Forest, you can actually see these hollow tree shapes where there were standing ponderosas. Well, I don't know that they were ponderosas, but something similar. So there's standing trees. There were a few that were had fallen over, so they're horizontal. 
um, but still the same process. The lava engulfed the tree, the tree was burned, but it left behind that shape. Great place to, to go and visit. I hope you enjoyed this podcast on KPOV, your high desert community radio station. Go to kpov.org for more information and our program schedule. We value your feedback, so please send any comments or suggestions to podcast at kpov.org.